Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Dun, 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 the script shop show. Hi, everybody. Oh. We got it. We are, we're going to be really formal about this. This is this is a big this is a big day. This is a special special everything. Yes. Uh, so the welcome to script shop show. Welcome to script shop show. I'm, I'm Allison and I'm Allison. <laughs> I'm Jack. I wish that we both had said our names. <laughs> at, let's just do we're, that. We're, 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 the moment's gone. Okay. Well, it was great. <laughs> It was really wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is the podcast that we do every week where we talk to screenwriters about their work and their lives. And their personal stories and connections and influences into the work that they're sending us. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we really love doing it. We thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, your support and you're in for a treat today. This is we got a very cool show coming up. Uh, Our guest, Meta Alawadi, Mm -hmm. uh, who we born in. Born in, I was going to say born and raised, born and raised in Dubai, mm-hmm. moved to Australia, moved to the UK. And we talked to her. Back to Dubai. Uh, from there. Yeah. She we called actually, from Dubai. We actually just got done talking to her. This we, is sort of happening out of order for us. Yeah, because usually we just, we just, just, you know, behind the scenes info, we just mm-hmm. record the show straight. But because we were using a different kind of connection to her. We wanted to just go ahead and can the interview. So she did a great job. She's amazing. Yeah. And uh, you should really look forward to hearing uh, her tell her story. Uh, but we're here opening the show real quick. Uh, Wait, we, gotta, we just got to say the name of her script. Oh, yes. She wrote a script called Newer. N-O-U-R. Mm-hmm. A 17-page um, war-torn family, mm-hmm. beautiful family love story. Honestly, like a sad love story of a family. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful. Uh, she was great. She was a wonderful guest, and you should very much look forward to listening to her interview. Yes, uh, but in the meantime, Jack. Yes. What are you watching lately? Well, I am. Uh, I don't know how much I've talked about how much I enjoy watching the Mick the on Mick. Fox <laughs> because I enjoy watching the Mick on Fox. Um, Caitlin Olson is hilarious on yeah. it. Yeah, and even though she's more or less playing the same character that she does on Always Sunny. I don't care. I want to see her You're play that character all the that. time. Yeah. And I was tweeting about the Mick recently, and uh, Thomas Barbuska, who plays the son, the one of the one of the kids that this woman is taking care of. He's got red hair, and he's. I mean, I don't want to say he's a younger version of me, but he is. I a see all redheads version. as versions of me. That's I was going to say, are we all cows? Like you just can't tell their spots apart. I've got a weird ego thing where I see I'm redhead prime <laughs> and all other redheads that I see are like tall me or short me or <laughs> child, successful actor me. And yeah, I that's, see. That's my, anyway, well, uh, he liked to tweet of mine because I tweeted about him because I enjoy the show so what'd much. What'd you say? What'd you say about your tweet? Well, the episode that I was watching, he was about to meet, he found out that his dad that he grew up with wasn't his real dad. So he was about to, he was trying to meet his biological father. Yeah. And I tweeted something to the effect of, I'm going to be really disappointed if I'm not cast as his dad oh, on this show. Oh, I see. And, and he, 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 he pr- And did he look up a picture of you and he was like, oh, Jack Crumley, Cincinnati, Ohio. So. Looks exactly like me, 
sad in, in 15 years. I mean, honestly, he's probably a better looking version than I am. Slightly, if I'm being honest. But no, he so he liked the tweet, and I thought that was nice. You know, one of the things I love about you having all these other versions of redheads being mm-hmm. you in life, behind the scenes note here is that, of course, I'm going to have a baby in March, mm-hmm. and we're all hoping it has red hair because yes. I have red hair. Mm-hmm. And I loved for the longest time that you were like, Redheaded baby in March. If yeah. it's a son, it can be Baby Jack. Absolutely, like that. That kid is going to have. We're going to have a lot in common right from the get go. He was going to. I mean, it's a girl, so I mean, I'm not Phillip, disappointed. You're the but, father figure now, you know, right? That's, no, let's, <laughs> that's I, where that was going. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, <laughs> let the record reflect that I didn't say any of that personally. That was very clearly Allison uh, West's voice. I love you, husband. Ugh, you know what? Are you watching anything? Yes. Yes. I am watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, because yeah. Because that show is like every feeling I've ever had at different points in my time. Rachel Bloom is like taken off like a rocket with Whoa, that show. Man, I am just so impressed that she does what she does. Mm-hmm. Like I've never, ever, ever come across a performer or an actor who has as much like togetherness of mind to do what she's doing, and the fact that that's on—I mean, it's on the CW. It's on a network. It's on a network. Yeah, it's, it's not a—it's not a YouTube show. It's not something that's streaming specifically Ew, on HBO yeah, or it Netflix. Is really pushing the edge, and it's a mu- There's what at least two musical numbers per episode, good. right? And they're good. And they're good. They're it's a lot of it's work. It's like commentary, right? Their dancing is good. The songs are good. Mm-hmm. They sing fine. It's it, a lot of it is social commentary that's very very relevant, mm-hmm. and you just think about them having to pull that together. And what kind of budget does that show have to have oh, for the production on that stuff? We need to look that up. That's crazy. Time. Yeah, because there's I mean there's so much rehearsal time that goes into those things, yeah. shooting the sets that they show up on, and that's part of what I'm saying too is like where did she come from yeah. that all of this is happening. We should try to get her on the show because she's a writer. She's a writer. Uh, Rachel Bloom, if you're listening. We we got to talk to you. We got to talk to you. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um... Yes. So we've got we've got Meta. Uh, we should just we we shouldn't other futz around here. Other exciting women writing awesome things. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, here we go. Please enjoy. Uh, here is uh, Meta Alawadi speaking to us from Dubai. And we are here today talking to Meta Alawadi and uh, specifically talking to her about her script, Newer. Yes. Uh, and we have Meta on the line calling us. We're talking from, you're in Dubai? Yes, I am. Hi, guys. How are Yay. you? Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you on. Welcome. I'm so happy to be part of it. Yeah. Meta, it's really exciting for us to have you on the show. You're our first international writer, yeah. which is just great because it's going to teach us all kinds of new things about... Outside you, of Canada. It, well, that's true. But, you know... Yeah. Canada. It's another country, right? right? I mean, not yeah. to do that whole America light thing, but <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy. But no, Noor, this is fantastic. We're so happy to have you on the show. Or uh, Meta, who wrote Noor. We're so happy to have you on the show. <laughs> oh, Jack. I always do that. I always call our writer the wrong name, you, but he, it's usually a character that's in the script. I do I do this on a fairly regular basis. Yes. Um. So, Meta... Talk to us a little bit about where you are located in the world, um, what you're doing as a writer currently. We'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Yeah. Well, I'm currently based in Dubai. This is my hometown, the, uh, the town that I've been born and raised. It's in the Middle East. And I'm currently actually a producer at a, a, a small production studio, uh, which is also part of a radio station. Uh, station so that's really cool. Um, currently, like in terms of script writing, I'm doing short scripts for commercials and um, other like videos, like corporate and events, and uh, and um, 
and yeah, I'm just having fun and uh, trying to do scripts and developing more of my stories on the side. That sounds really exciting. Have you been a writer for some time or is this something that's a little bit new for you? I actually didn't know if I would, like I always wanted to write, but I didn't know I had the ability until I went and did my master's in the UK. So that's where I discovered and Noor is actually my first full on concept script. So I'm really excited about it. When did you, um, what made you go to the UK for school? Well, actually, UK is my second time traveling for school. I went to Australia first for six years since I was 16. I learned, wow. about, I learned about the love of film there. And, uh, and then I moved to Dubai, worked in the radio station for two years. And then I moved to UK to pursue my passion filmmaking to be a director. But then I fa- fell in love with writing. So, so are you originally from anyway. Turkey? Nope. I am fully from Dubai, okay. born and raised, and a citizen, national. So um, I've never been to Turkey. Okay. <laughs> My family have, but I, uh, because I've worked in the news and the radio station, I know a lot about what's happening in the world at the, like at the moment and before then as well. So it was part of my life for two years full-on. So that's where Noor came up. Um, is it common for... Because, you know, you just travel. For me, I, I, it's not really common for, like, my family to just travel to Australia to live for six years and mm-hmm. then go to the U.K. for school. I don't country hop like that. I would like right. to, but I haven't yet. Um, is, is that something that, like, your family just does? No. It's actually been, my mom pushed me towards it. It was uh, my uncles were against it because I was a girl, and in the yeah. Middle East were very conservative. And when I... Went there was 2006, so the world was a bit different then. It was a bit uh, not as open as now. Now we're very open sending everyone abroad. We're even intermarrying with foreigners. But before it was kind of more close society. So uh, it was something new. Everyone was against it. But then I went and I was 16 as well. So it was a wow. bit different. Yeah, you're very so young. Yeah, I've had to learn a lot of things there. I was very conservative before in terms of I didn't know about the world. I was dependent on my family for everything. And I thought I was going to be dependent on my family till I got married. So learning about a new culture and discovering yourself and away from your society, away from your culture and traditions is a wonderful experience. And I would do it over and again because that's what made me who I am today. Was it scary? It was, I didn't even know how to do an ATM, like how to grab cash from an ATM machine. That's how. Oh. I always thought my parents were going to open a bank account for me. They're going to do everything for me. So it was something really interesting for me to learn and discover by myself. Yeah, no kidding. So you used to, you said you were writing like commercial scripts. And is this your first like film attempt as far as writing goes? Uh, no, actually, my, this is my first time script writing, uh-huh. nor is my first ever script um, professionally. Um, but I've always wanted to be a film director. I always wanted to make, write films and direct them like Quentin Tarantino. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But, yeah, that guy's great. <laughs> awesome. His scripts are crazy. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I've never actually had the courage to write something because I always felt that I wasn't that good at it. And I was frustrated in not knowing the concept. So when I learned, when I learned from my professor in UK and discovered how amazing writing is and how amazing making characters and building them and making them real and actually telling human stories to the public, 
it just made me fall in love with writing more and more. And um, actually, I wrote several scripts after that, which I turned into movies, who went on to go into festivals. But I haven't made script a newer into a movie yet, which I'm hoping to pursue later on. Um, I wanted to ask, too, because we talk about, you know, you said you've always wanted to be a director. Was that a non-traditional choice as well? Because you're talking about how your family was very conservative. You couldn't even travel. What was it like for you then moving into the entertainment industry as a woman? Well, fair enough. Like, funny enough, actually, my mom told me, you can be anything you want except a director because you'll get a bad reputation if you were. Um, really? <laughs> why, why did she say that? <laughs> Because at the moment, at that time, not a lot of females pursued directing as a career choice. They did uh, like presenting in front of the camera, but not a lot of girls had a good reputation doing that because it was something out of um, fear of working in a field that might gain you bad reputation. In in the Middle East, reputation is the most important thing. That's what you get gets you married. That's what gets you a good. Uh, like a family reputation, you know, it's very Victorian, but that's what we have here. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's ha- how girls are perceived with uh, a girl with a good reputation will get better chances, better suitors. A girl with a bad reputation won't. Now it's very different, but before that was the case. So she was um, just worried girl. about your reputation. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted, to, I, went, I went first, I pursued uh, character design for animation. I wanted to work for cool. Pixar and DreamWorks. But then I discovered directing, which didn't happen, but I discovered directing and I told my mom and she eventually very like pushed me towards it. And now she's very proud of it. Yeah. Um, So in the newer is your first script. You've written other Mm -hmm. things too. uh, Gosh, where do we... You well, start with you know, one. you said you fell in love with writing and you like to tell, you know, stories because it's so personal. And this script that you wrote, Noor, it's a 17 page uh, it's short uh, about a very personal sounding story. And we're going to get into some of the finer points of the script. But I mean, just in terms of what is in here, is this coming from a personal place for you? It is because I have uh, been immersed in that um the news a lot and one of the biggest news was the Syrian war mm-hmm. and I actually have a personal friend she's uh, a sister to me she's an Australian reporter called Hermione Mukhur and she what she does is she goes to Iraq and she tries to get girls out of that situation oh, and wow. she tells me stories of a lot of what happens to girls girls as young as five seven eight and the trauma they face through going through that hardship and the things that they see, the horrors they face, sexual abuse, um, prosecution. There's a lot of things that happens there. And because I, um, she's such a close friend, she's, like, like, as I said, like a sister to me, she tells me a lot of these stories and the horrors. And I feel like I know them personally from those stories, as well as the news and obviously the exposing and humans of New York that kind of influenced my story as well with hearing about how women went uh, women and families went to trying to get refuse in Greece in Turkey and losing their families on the way one lost her husband um, during that one one family encountered their, their child was crying on the boat so the person who was smuggling them threw her off, oh, off the boat to drown um, and her younger sister uh, and her older sister saw that and from, from then she would stop. She wouldn't speak to anyone. So the horrors of that, it's just so tragic, but no one knows about it. 
They just see refugees coming to the land illegally and they just question why are they coming here. Right. They should go yeah. to their countries, but they don't know the horrors they faced and the, the struggle they, they faced trying to get out of that and finding a home to stabilize their families and stabilize their lives for once. And it's all still going on. I mean, every, you know, for a while there in the news, there was a lot of talk about Aleppo and stuff. But, I mean, none of this has mm-hmm. ended in any way. No, and, and, and there's still people living there normally and still people going there and visiting. I have friends from Syria who are working with me, who are around me, and they go sometimes there. They say there's still life there. People are still living there normally, but there are chaotic areas as well that are not allowed in and such. And even... Those who are, haven't been to Syria or have lived abroad all their life but have Syrian passport are being prosecuted by not being allowed entry in certain countries and and um, jo- not getting jobs anymore. So it's really affecting people in and outside of Syria. Yeah. So I thought it was a good time to tell a story about that, especially someone coming from the Middle East who actually knows a lot about it and is actually in the center of the chaos. Do you feel like um, being involved in the news and just having access to a lot of these events, do you feel like writing them into screenplays helps you process what you're hearing every single day? And, and actually, I think I feel like it helps me tell the story, the human side of it. People don't hear the human side. They just hear a bunch of people being killed, a bunch of being being prosecuted, a bunch of being trying to find refuge in different countries. A lot of people get putting their opinions about what they think about that, people coming to their country illegally trying to get their jobs and stuff like that. So you don't actually hear their voice, the people behind those news stories, people behind those pictures. You don't hear their voice. So I'm trying to give a voice to them, showing the horrors they face. And I'm hoping that I'm doing that properly in newer, but I'm also hoping to tell, like, there's so many stories you don't know which one to pick. So I'm trying to do kind of grab the basis of it and trying to show the the world these people are humans like me and you these we could have faced the same problem as well and like i'm just trying to follow what people are trying to do like angelina jolie um she went there and she's helped trying to help the best she can i think people like her should have more of a voice as well in terms of not only being a publicity or someone that is trying to show she's trying to show everything but no one is actually listening so i'm hoping that by making a film out of it and actually showing people what people are going through in real life now not in the past like in the nazis and stuff like that but right right now people are going through it every day might help these people who are trying to find refuge actually find a home and settle down more because the stories are the, the news has been going on for so long how how just that constant violence that seems like people always just hear about over and over again and if you're trying to put together a story and you are trying to put together something that is a little more personal is it hard to sift through everything and try to find what story you want to tell amongst all these people that are suffering in so many different ways Yes, it was really hard to tell that story because um, I didn't know what parts to tell. There were so many tragedies that's happening there. Um, I read about a lot of them, and all of them are so tragic that we need to give them a voice. But I tried placing the most um, happenings, like, say, in, in the script, uh, the family of Adnan faces a lot of things. And those 
were faced by a lot of people, not just one or two or three, but by hundreds, even thousands of people. So I'm trying to, like, there's not enough time in the script to give voice to everyone, but I'm trying my best to detect all the common events that occurred there. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and dive into the script a little bit. Um, we're going to move into reading a selection from the script. So listeners, we're going to be reading the first um, three pages from the script newer. I will be reading the action headings and Jack will be playing both male characters tonight because Frank... Frank's got a life outside of the show, apparently, apparently which that must be Frank nice, Frank. has things he has to do to pay the bills. <laughs> and Jack and I are here loving script shops. So yeah. na, 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 Sorry na. about your luck, Frank. <laughs> um, so just bear with us, Meta. We're going to read through this, and we'll be back at the end of it to really get into your story. Yeah. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready, Jack? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exterior, the docks, Merson, Turkey, afternoon. It is mid... Oh, I I want to preface this real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just want to preface this for our listeners that Jack and I are both um, red-headed, Caucasian, American... Super white. I'm a super white person. Yeah, uh, samesies. Yeah. And um, we are... I'm reading the words of a woman from Dubai. Right. Jack is playing characters um, associated with Turkey and the Middle East. So please... Bear with us as we share this with you, yeah. because of course we're not the appropriate casting. Right. Well, and we all. may not necessarily pronounce things the right way or whatever, and it's not out of any kind of willful ignorance. It's just a regular old ignorance, I suppose. Yeah. The yeah. Well, here we go. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Exterior: the docks, Mersin, Turkey, afternoon. It is midday in a busy Middle Eastern port. Fishing boats are selling their catch, while a docked cruise ship is offloading its passengers. Nearby, a wary middle-aged Middle Eastern man wearing a threadbare jacket and faded jeans walks with a limp towards the benches. He looks at his watch, sighs, and scratches his unruly peppered beard. He takes a sip of his coffee as he continues to walk. This is Mosin, 52. A young man bumps into him, spilling coffee all over Mosin's jackets, jacket and pants. Shit. He looks at the young man angrily. Watch where you're going, Yakalb, meaning you dog. The young man, Adnan, 28, who is also Middle Eastern, wearing a polo shirt with jeans and worn-out trainers, steps back startled from the shout. He takes out several tissues and starts wiping coffee stains off Mosin's jacket. Mosin takes it from Adnan and continues walking towards the benches. Adnan trails behind him. I'm sorry, sir. Look at me. Sorry won't fix this. Exterior, bench area, the docks. Mersin, Turkey, afternoon. Mosin winces in pain as he sits down on a bench. He wipes the stains off his clothes while muttering about reckless young men. No respect. Adnan, after following Mosin, stands nearby, looking at him awkwardly. Um, let me get you another cup of coffee to make up for it. Adnan gets coffee. Mosin looks up as Adnan returns. Mosin takes the cup. All the while, Adnan stands there awkwardly. Eventually, he sits down. Mosin looks at the docks in front of him. A ship is making its way to the port. They sit in silence for a while. Adnan turns towards Mosin. Sorry, again, about... Adnan points at Mosin's clothes. He smiles sheepishly and rubs the back of his head. My my mind was somewhere else. They sit in silence as they gaze at a newly docked ship as it offloads its passengers. 
Among them is a young child dragging his older teenage sister by her hand down the stairs towards an elderly couple who are waiting near the ship. The family of four finally get off the ship and are greeted warmly by the elderly couple. It's a happy reunion. Mosin sits gazing at the happy family. His face grimaces. He closes his eyes. He turns and looks at Adnan. Adnan is smiling. He gazes at the family. His smile widens. She reminds me of my sister, Huda. It'll be good to see her and my family after so long. Mosin stays quiet, just staring at the family. Adnan still smiling. Who are you waiting for? Mosin remains silent. Adnan continues, not minding Mosin's silence. His gaze still fixed on the passengers. We're going to travel soon, maybe to England or Greece. We'll settle there, and I'll get a job, a real one, something that I can support my family with. I hear they treat us well there. Mosin looks down at his hands. He stares at his wedding band, touching it with his fingertips. He turns it around once. Sighing, he gets up and throws his empty coffee cup in the bin next to him. Don't be so naive. Mosin walks away, never gazing back. Adnan stares at Mosin's back. He turns to the docks. He smiles, but then frowns as his gaze turns to those around the family. There is an elderly woman hugging a younger man, crying as they hug. A couple is crying as a ship crew member talks to them. Others are waiting nearby. They look tired and afraid. Adnan frowns and looks back at his hands. He clutches them and looks back at the people. I know you're safe. Please be safe. He sits alone in silence, watching the docks. Exterior, the docks, Merce and Turkey, late afternoon. Adnan pushes his way through the heavy crowd as he makes his way towards a newly docked ship. He stops as he faces the landing area. He cranes his neck to see the passengers that are making their way down. Suddenly, a man pushes him back as he raises his hand up high, waving it sideways. The man calls out in Turkish, signaling to one of the passengers who turns her head towards him and waves back. Adnan looks at the female passenger and the man, annoyed. He turns and walks away, back to the benches. Exterior, bench area, the docks, Mersin, Turkey, late afternoon. Adnan walks back to a bench and sits down. He stares at the crowd in front of the ship. His eyes look at each person, focusing on the elderly and younger girls and men. He frowns. Adnan looks at his watch. It reads 4.50 p.m., He reaches into his pants pocket, taking out a piece of paper. He opens it. Ship WS-203, 4.15 p.m. Tuesday. He looks at the crowd, summer leaving. Anxiously, his eyes look around, trying to spot his family. Not finding them, he looks at his watch again. It reads 4.55 p.m. Sighing, he stands up, puts the paper back in his pocket, and walks towards the crowd. And scene. So, Meta, there, I mean, you said you were looking for something very, I mean, a very personal tale. There's a lot of emotion in this that is very personal. What elements for you were more than what you were hearing on the news? Well, um, there are elements there where uh, my character, Huda, faces where she's walking in the dark and she gets raped. That's something you don't hear in the news, but you hear it from... I heard it from my friend who is help, like helping people in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So those things you don't hear in the news. You hear about people being bombed. You hear about people being uh, 
like escaping and going to ref- uh, to different countries for refuge. You hear about people um, struggling to survive, struggling to eat, struggling to find work, but you don't hear about the emotions behind it. You don't hear about um, the, the stories behind each family, each uh, each person that goes through that. There's over twelve thousand one hundred eighty-four people, million people affected by the situation. Among them, five thousand six hundred million children and more. And those are statistics from like two thousand thirteen, not even now. So now it's probably much much more. And I there was a story where Angel Jolie actually saw it in. And on YouTube one time, um, on I think UNICEF, and it basically she goes into this this family made up of an 11 year old girl called Hala, and this 11 year old girl saw her parents die, and now she's taking care of her whole family. She stopped studying. She's finding work. She's teaching. She's a mother. She's a sister. She's a housekeeper. She's a a teacher. She's a lot of things to her siblings, and even though she has older brothers. She, because she's the female, uh, she's the, the woman of the house. She has to do all the jobs that her mom used to do. Her older brother saw her, their mom, dying and under the rubble after a, uh, a bombing, and he got traumatized from that and he reverted back to a childhood phase. So, you don't see that. You don't hear about that in the news. You don't see those the her voice you don't hear her voice in the news you just hear statistics you just right. hear about bomb. and for you like for us who haven't lived a war we don't know what it's about we just see it in films like saving private ryan and dunkirk and such like uh, and films such as that mm-hmm. so we don't we're disconnected and i'm trying to reconnect people to the to the human side of these stories. Well, because I think so, you're right. I think that there's such a moment, like when you when you are when the news is talking about something like this going on, and you're just getting these astronomical numbers of people that are hurting in some way, and it's hard to process. Whereas if you've got a script like this that can focus on specifics, I think that that makes it resonate more than just seeing a bunch of numbers, mm-hmm. right? Yes, definitely. Like I'll tell you a story. Like when I was a young, when I was young, I was hearing about the war in Palestine, um, and I was. L- listening a lot and during school we used to do research about that we used to cut up facts because it's more than 50 years now mm-hmm. so i was hearing about that but i was disconnected i wasn't really I, I felt sorry for them i felt their tragedy but i didn't actually connect to it and then when the war in syria happened and because i was so immersed in the news i was connected i felt their pain i was passionate about it because it was happening now so as I said, like these wars that happened, that occurred, like the one, World War One, World War Two, the people who lived through them know the feeling. But the generations that come after are disconnected. They're only research projects in schools. Yeah. They're only stories told by their grandparents or their fam, or their parents. They don't actually know how it feels. I don't personally know how it feels to live a war. Thankfully, I've been blessed to live in a in a country that hasn't gone through war and uh, have good relations but for people who have and because i was surrounded by it and i'm still surrounded by it i have uh, like our country is still like my country personally is fighting in yemen trying to help people there so i hear about the people who like our people who are dying there and trying to help them and i'm i've i feel their pain 
I, I see what's happening. I, I, I see the people that are getting infected. I hear about the people that are getting infected. One of my friends, actually, his family moved to Sweden and um, to get away from it early on. And I know people who are, has, have escaped afterwards as well. So it's listening to their stories and making it feel, seem more real to me than yeah. rather than just some news, just some report in BBC or, or Al Jazeera or something. Right. It makes it more real. And I wanted to give a voice to them. So that's where Noor came from. Well, there's a very specific story arch mm-hmm. in this too. So, mm-hmm. you know, from taking those statistics and all of that news, you've really been able to create um, a very specific narrative about this. So we should talk a little bit about the script and kind of what happens. Yeah. In it. So it's that was that what we read there was the beginning of it with Adnan waiting at the docks for family to come on the ship. And at some point he gets a message from this relative that he was waiting for. That ex- mm-hmm. like a written message from right. somebody uh, from a different passenger on this on the ship that explains how the plan has not gone according to plan and it, it, then you just start to recount there's just horrific stuff that happened to these people that as it they flashes, were trying to get onto the ship yeah flashes back to his brother and what he went on trying to escape um and well gosh it really i mean the sister has is raped yeah. in an alley yes she um, has a baby there's and she has the baby which is newer and that's what the whole thrust of this is, how this child has come to represent sort of the future of this family. And now this poor young guy who thought he was meeting up with family that he knew is now stuck with this with this baby that he wasn't expecting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, Noor is, uh, when I came up with Noor, I wanted to tell a story about the tragedy, the chaos that happened, but also a ray of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, the name Noor is actually means uh, a new beginning, a ray of hope. So um, the story starts, at, like as you said, pe- uh, someone waiting for the relatives to come to, come to them because they escaped early on. Adnan escaped really early on mm-hmm. uh, when the unrest was happening with the army in Syria. And so he didn't see all the tragedy that came afterwards. So through Eamon's um, kind of letter, you see what happened after he escaped, like after he left uh, to Turkey uh, when the unrest first started. So Amen actually went through all of that. He saw it with his family. And we're, I'm trying to also capture what happened there. Mm-hmm. So during that, you see the journey of the family from the youngest member of the family, how she encountered it towards how the progression of the parents, uh, the bombings, trying to escape from it and the journey of escape as well that's um that that was also kind of a long journey in terms of trying to get their papers across not getting encountered by the army by the opposing um kind of uh, two teams that are trying to free each other in a way so it's um there was a lot of content going through it and I tried to document the best ones, but it is horrifying because every, like, Eamon mostly went through a lot of different, first his sister gets raped, then his parents. um, The hospital blows up. Oh, God, that's right. Bombing, and then trying to save his last family and trying to get them across to his brother. And then ending up not being, just having an option of either saving himself or this baby. 
And obviously it was an easy choice of saving a baby who has a whole life ahead of her rather than himself. But then Adnan here is in a different country expecting certain family members and it sees someone that he doesn't know and he kind of blames it on her because yeah. she's a new entity for him. And, yeah. and he feels that it's her fault because it's all started with her. He sees her as a cause of her sister dying, the cause of all of this, and mainly the cause of not his brother not being able to go because he had to choose between her and himself. Which is such a hugely powerful scene when he's so mad at this little baby. Mm-hmm. And he thought that giving her up would be the best option. Yeah. Cause, and because in his mind, terminating her was the first thing, um, terminating the cause of his problem to cause the first trauma because he wanted to blame someone and she was there mm -hmm. so he blamed the first thing that he saw which was her and she's just an innocent baby but pe like for him he didn't see her as that he saw her as the, the cause of everything yeah like a symbol for all yeah. of the pain that this family has gone mm -hmm. through because also he it's not like he's just dealing with being saddled with the baby he just learned that his sister died that his parents right were bombed in the hospital like he is getting all of this information right now and looks down and that baby is there and that's like the tangible thing mm -hmm. from all of the information he's learned that he's focusing on and the and the baby is down there and sleeping peacefully and then i think that's the the thing that he um that hits him more that she's so peaceful there she looks so innocent and peaceful while he's now all his life is crashing down on him his parent his family's non-existence his brother is stuck there god knows when he'll come back or will he be able to get that a passage back because uh from like what you read it's like he sold everything that he owes everything that he possesses he sold for that ticket yeah. and he could only choose himself or the baby and he chose the baby so for him he thought like he instead of choosing for Edna it felt like his brother chose the baby over him and as there, well there's it's, such a nice moment of hope too where the older gentleman the Mosin character who his wife comes down and there is this nice element of hope even this even though there's all this this terrible news and the, and and Adnan is so upset and then even though Mosin told him early on don't be so naive then we move into this element of he's getting help, this kindness of strangers sort of thing, which is something that maybe a naive person would expect, but Mosin's able to recognize, hey, we, this kid needs some help. Right. Yeah, and, and that was a beautiful dynamic that I was trying to do. Adnan was very bubbly at first. He mm -hmm. was very optimistic, while Mohsen was kind of pessimistic because he lived life more and he's seen the tragedy. His backstory is more like he was a war veteran that saw everything from a soldier's point of view. Right. And he didn't think that his family would make it. And he was expecting him to come. So he was pessimistic from the start, while, while Adnan was optimistic. He was innocent in not seeing war. He was innocent in not being there. So he didn't actually feel that there, he had anything much of a threat, basically, of his family being safe. He did feel that, like, he hoped that they will be safe, but he didn't think that they won't be safe. So when he, his life crashes down and Muhsin was able to reunite with his wife, um, you see the dynamic changing now that Muhsin is now optimistic as his wife is now next to him while right. Adnan is wow. pessimistic because his life crashes. So Muhsin seeing that, seeing that how this bubbly, energetic man crashes down and is crying and breaking down in front of him, he couldn't let it go. So he had to take him in and try to calm him down and give him some words of wisdom. 
And because they're all one people, when, when you see tragedy happen, people reunite. People try to help each other because yes. if they don't help their own, who will? Mm-hmm. And I've seen that in real life. So I wanted to portray that as well. And I was, wanted to actually, this is also a message to other people saying that we're all human. We're all ad, uh, children of Adam and Eve. We have to help each other. If we don't help each other, then who will? We can't wait for a miracle to help them. Or like, oh, I help someone, will help them. We have to take action and help. And that's where Mohsen comes in. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to help this poor man who's from the same background, same, um, facing the same things, but he didn't get the better end of the deal kind of way. He didn't get his yeah, family. Yeah. He got a child now, and he has more responsibilities because he has to support this child as well. And he's trying, he's going to, because he's over emotional, he was going to make the biggest mistake ever, which is give up his last uh, aspect of family, his last family member. Yeah, because his gut reaction is to run to the Red Crescent Center and just be, you know, he doesn't want this baby. Just drop it off. Yeah, because, and he saw Red Crescent as a beacon of hope, like, okay, I can give it to them. She, he didn't get, he didn't want to get rid of her because he's still, he's still human in the end. He doesn't want to get rid of her, like throw her off or just leave her like that. He was going to give her to Red Crescent, maybe give her a better life, but he doesn't want her to be in his life. Right. Right. Basically. And he was going to make the biggest mistake for that. Yeah. Well, I I love that there's such an arc of family in this story. You know, even in the beginning, Adnan is connecting with this older gentleman. When we get into the flashbacks, we see how important the parents were in the children's lives um, and the grandparents, how involved they were with Noor in her life. And then when all of that crashes down, that hope and that family arc comes back in a new way where... Mosin and his wife, they say, we are your family now. We like we have to be here for each other, which goes back to this whole idea of supporting others and reaching out and helping in these times of need. Yeah, and uh, that actually was inspired by someone in Greece. There was an old lady there. She lived through the um, Holocaust and uh, she basically opened her house to the refugees, to the Syrian refugees. She made them their, her family. She spent all the money that the government was giving her to survive, to pay for their food. And they, she was like, anyone who wants a house, a place to sleep, please come to my house. And she was giving them that living space. People were worried about her. Like her vows were worried about her. Why are you opening up your house to strangers? But she did. And she became the mother to these people. And I heard, uh, and one of the stories that I read about her was how one woman that she helped got married, and she invited over because she didn't have a mother, so she invited oh. over as her mother to celebrate with her the moment that she she's gonna reunite with this man she fell in love with in Greece. So I thought that was so beautiful that a woman that like her herself went through a war herself and survived opening her house up for strangers, telling them to come and to have food and uh, to sleep there if they wanted. Um, And she doesn't know these people, but she opened her house. She spent all her earnings on them just because she knows how they felt. And she she felt that if she didn't help them, who will? And I think that that's an inspiration for everyone, what this woman was doing. There's such a universality of, you know, people doing awful things to each other and then trying to uh, and then other people who try to help and to try to make things better and it cuts across 
you know, I, it cuts across countries. It cuts across cultures. We're, we're talking just about human beings in general. And I think that really comes through in the script. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to, to do. I didn't want to introduce any religion. I don't want to introduce any culture or tradition. I just wanted to introduce people and their stories and their voice. In the end, if we strip away our religion, if we strip away our traditions and cultures, if we strip away our nationalities, we're all the same. We all have the same way of being raised. We all go to schools. We all go to, we all have work. We all pursue the same things. So if you strip away everything that, base and separates us from each other mm-hmm. we're all into the same and that's what i wanted to say, portray there that we're all the same we're all trying to find happiness in this world we're all trying to find peace in this world we're not no one's seeking uh, drama no one's seeking chaos we're just trying to survive and we're trying to help each other and like by helping each other we will survive yeah and and I think that, that that kind of portrays in more apocalyptic films where people, when it's the end of the world and people are trying to help each other to kind of stay alive. But when in terms of war, people kind of have two different voices. Are they with or against? And because they're disconnected, they don't see the connection. And I'm trying to bring back that connection. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, too, there's a lot of lullabies that are used oh, yeah. in this script. And um, I, I wanted to ask if those are personal lullabies from your life or if they are traditional lullabies that you've worked into here. Um, the lullaby that um, Adnan and his mother sing to Noor is actually a very famous song sung by a very famous singer called Feroz. And... Um, and when I when I was searching for Arabic lullabies that were very traditionally classic, I came up uh, came upon her video and the way she looked while she was singing to her crying child was so tragic that I felt that it was perfect for my script because she had that dead look in her eye while she was singing to her child. Because uh, and the way she was singing was so haunting, and I felt that's what. The uh, Huda's mother, Adnan's mother, was felt when she was singing to Noor in her own daughter's funeral. Yeah, she okay. couldn't cry anymore. Her granddaughter was crying for her mom, and she couldn't cry anymore. And that song, um, the way she was singing, uh, how dead she felt inside because her daughter was dead, and her um, she has a granddaughter now, is um, very kind of like resonates the whole concept of what this family was going through. And then hearing it again with Adnan recounting, like him actually thinking of Noor as Huda, as his sister, because he used to sing the same song when he was uh, younger and taking care of his sister. It's kind of like kind of a, um, a memory down and the connection that he would, the connection that connects him with Noor specifically and what changes his mind about Noor because he finally realized this is his da- sister's daughter. This is his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a huge turning point for him in the way he feels about this baby. I think, yeah, and uh, thinking that and remembering his sister made him connect to Noor. And I think that was powerful. Um, and I think that's, like, thinking of ways to connect the child to Adnan, I thought that was the best moment because as an older sister, I have six siblings and my youngest brother is um, 18, 18 years younger than me. So I remember taking care of him and 
feeling connected to him as if he was my own son as well because there was a big age gap between us. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like when if you have that connection, you would you would actually won't be able to give up that connection ever again. And I wanted to show that in Adnan with Noor. Um, yeah, no kidding. It's beautiful. So I know that you've said that this is an unproduced script currently. If mm -hmm. what, what are you thinking about in terms of production? Do you have a timeline on it yet? Are you... Um, Financing, scouting locations. I yeah. mean, there's a lot to consider with something like this, right? Right, like those huge ships and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I actually did, uh, when, I, when I first produced uh, Noor, I did actually scout for locations. Um, I would... Uh, I would love to film it in Mersin, Turkey. Oh, sure. For the parts where it's um, about in Turkey. And then the rest of them in Syria, I would love to film it in Jordan. I have some friends in Jordan that, uh, one of my friends in Jordan, she's in the film industry at the moment. So I was speaking to her about it and we decided that that would be the best place to shoot because it's the closest to Syria as well. And it, it looks, the landscape is similar as well. And uh, it would be easier for me to shoot there than any other place. Uh, but in terms of financing stuff, I haven't actually searched yet. I've been, I just entered new into several festivals and it's one. Um, it was nominated and won several as well. Congratulations. So I'm just trying to, oh, thank you. Um, and I'm, I think uh, my next project is actually developing further. I want to, I want to expand it a bit further. I think that it has more contest to, for expansion um, to make it a bit more detailed and a bit more uh, along there, maybe into a feature. Mm -hmm. um, but but I really want to make it happen. Even if it's um, that short, I would love to produce it. I'm just trying to find the right people to help me produce it um, at the moment. Yeah, it is a beautiful story. It's riveting, and of course, there's tons of content that you could use to expand it. Yeah, there's. it's already got its own little arc, but yeah, I think there's absolutely room for, for the story to go on. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, th there was actually more to the story, but I had to cut it down because of the um, uh, timeline I had. But I'd love to develop it further, but I love it as it is now. Um, it's always hard to uh, to change something that you fell in love with and worked so hard on. Yeah. But right. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to develop further. I'm really hoping to see it as a film one day. I feel, I feel like it, it's a story that that should be told and especially someone from the Middle East should tell it. Yeah. Um, well, if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you about producing this, what is the best way for somebody to reach out to you? I think um, email would be the easiest way. Um, but um, also like social media, my uh, Facebook or Instagram or any of those um, social media platform, but email would be the easiest way, I think. We'll, we'll make sure to have your email address on our website then as well. Um, that way that people, they can access your script from our website. They mm -hmm. can read this. And then if they want to get in touch with you, they can find your email address right there. And which they should. Yeah. And yeah, which they should and shoot you a message on it because it's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. That's so amazing. That'll be amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Maida, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's we, been incredible talking to you about this. I can't believe how fast it this. went. Yes. Thank you for having me uh, be part of the show. I'm really um, honored. Um, uh, that so are we. Yeah. Yes, so, so are, are we. we. Um, so we will, 
I, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. Just continue talking with you in email. <laughs> yes, please. And yeah, let us know. in with, tune with you and everything. Keep us in the loop. I will definitely do that. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you You're for welcome. your time. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that was Meta. That was amazing. She, that's uh, that was, you know what? That's a big first for, I mean, not to I've, make it about I've, us, no, no, but that's a big first I've for us. I've never done anything like that in yeah, my life. Yeah, neither, neither have I. You know, like it's so, we're so freaking lucky that we found yeah. the script. We were able to get a hold of her. We have the technology to call mm-hmm. this woman in Dubai where she is calling us from the future. Yeah, right. And she's, there's a 16 hour time difference between her and us. Um, she was, and when I emailed her, I was like, "Hey, are you available at this time, Eastern time?" And she was like, "Yes, actually, that's six a.m. my time. Um, that works out perfectly." Right. Like, oh gosh. Well, and you know, also talking about how lucky we are, just the fact that we don't have any frame of reference. Oh my gosh. For the kind of hell that is that, that that's is talked raining. about in the script and that it's going on in so yeah. many places. Well, yeah, because you know, her the whole context of the story is set between wars and countries, right? And. I have not truly been wrapped up in any large country to country war. You know, I mean, there's a lot that's. It's been so going hard to on. process. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's just, just so not hard. Not to... like this. Yeah. Not right. like this world, which is just, we're lucky that she takes us through all of that then, too. Wonderfully. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very happy. Very, very. This was a very special show. Yeah. Very, very happy yes. that she was able to come on with us. Yeah. Um, if you have written something that's personal to you and uh, stories of people that matter and you want to put them out into the world, you can share them with us. We would love for you to do that, and uh, we can try to get it out there more for you. ScriptShopShow.com slash submit is the way to do that. Yeah, and if you're interested in learning more about us, you can just go to www.ScriptShopShow.com. Check out our website, see bios of us, just short ones. Check out all of our writers because we've got lots of great info about them and their scripts up there. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're Script Shop Show on there. Jack is Script Shop Jack. Script Shop Jack on Twitter only. I don't do anything. I don't. I don't mess with anything else. No, he doesn't do Facebook. He doesn't do Instagram. It's too much, and I'm he so doesn't. glad I don't. That, but smart. that's a whole other thing. He's totally smart. <laughs> no, I chose to throw in with Twitter, <laughs> which is its own specific hellscape. Its own beast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, gosh, I forgot what I was going to say just now. Well, we covered the oh, oh um, yeah, Twitter me. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do it? You want me to do it for you? No, no, no. I was just going to say that I'm your bestie Westie on Twitter. Yes, you That was you the are. end of that that business that yes. I lost my train of thought in. The other thing uh, that uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, you can leave us a rating. You can write us a review. Please do. That helps us out a lot. Uh, that's I think I, every podcast sort of says that, but there's a reason why, because it, it helps because us out Because it does. Yeah. It helps us find new writers and continue talking to them about their very personal stories. Right. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This was a very cool show, yeah. and uh, glad uh, you were able to be a part of it. Yeah. So until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.